to go? There we go. Hello, how are you doing? Not bad. I'm uh, well. I'm exhausted. I've been doing nine eleven stuff all all day. <laughs> Have you? Year. Yeah. Yeah, of course, mm -hmm. of course, because you've got so much of the information and you've been doing these interviews quite some time. So thank you very much for making time for us here in Alberta, Canada. Um, we're really, really intrigued into having this conversation again, and we are looking for truth. So there's no limits here. We're not on YouTube. You can say whatever you want. You can talk about the election, oh, the vaccine, good. if that's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, there's no restrictions. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 And sure, that's in some way they're all related. Um, so yeah, no hesitation on, on where you want to go with this. And this is exactly what we're looking for, especially the stuff that would have gotten us kicked off of YouTube. Let's hear it. Let's hear it for sure. Um, well, that would be anything to do with Israel or Saudi Arabia. All right. Because well, that will, that will definitely get you thrown off of YouTube in seconds. All right. Well, we're not there. Uh, we're on Facebook, but we haven't had any trouble with Facebook. Uh, we've been pretty good there. Ooh, so you're on Meta. Mm. Well, but we're also on Rumble and we're on X as well. So we should be able to stay up somewhere. Uh, and we're also Rumble's fine uh, and X should be fine. But uh, I don't know about Meta. Uh, I'm <laughs> you may want to turn that off. <laughs> Well, we've got the audience there right now. And you know what? Let's roll with the dice on this one. Um, they've been good to us so far. We've had Dr. Dr. Peter McCullough on. We've had Macus on. We've had Chris Shoemaker on. So we've had some pretty in-depth conversations around vaccines. Uh, we haven't gotten into Israel or Saudi Arabia or those issues yet. But we've, we certainly touched on the ones that got me banned off of uh, YouTube. Like, I haven't kicked off of YouTube, um, but not Facebook yet. But with that yeah, said, I'm, I don't mind. It's not, don't hard, mind it's not hard to get kicked off YouTube. I mean, if you say anything about the branch covidiots or um, election fraud or, you know, any nuanced opinion on the Ukraine war, there's like a, a million minds in the minefield on YouTube that can get you thrown off. Yeah. And also stating the case that a prosecution has for a police officer in Ottawa, just stating their case, not even talking about the defense was enough to get me striked. Um, so we didn't even have an opinion. We were just stating the news. That was enough. <laughs> that was All right. enough. Do you know Jeremy McKenzie? Very well. He's part. Of, yeah, good. Yeah, you're in Diagon, man. You're in Alberta. I'm not in Diagon, but really just on the... <laughs> I mean, the... Uh, oh, you're, you missed the line then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see them in the distance, and I'm a supporter of the general idea of Diagon, and a lot of great people. You're going to see them in the chat. Um, our, our clip guy is Island Jason. He's an amazing man. And uh, I've made lots of friends with that community. And Jeremy's certainly one of them. Morgan's one of them as well. Um, good people there. Good people there. But uh, yeah, and J Jeremy's one of the ones that reached out when he saw that I was having you on. He said, there's, there's a truth teller right there. That's pretty good that you got him. So I'm excited to have you on. Now, Ryan, why don't we go ahead and let people know who you are? You do have quite the following, but let's let everybody know who you are, if you don't mind. Well, I used to have quite the following. But uh, after getting banned on everything, I've had to start over. Fortunately, I got my Twitter return this year, like a lot of people. And so I've been mm -hmm. slowly climbing up the ladder again. But it is frustrating. It, it sucks to put in 20 years and then just get erased. And, but, yeah, I, I started um, maybe around 2000 or so, I guess, it was my online presence. And I guess what really put me on the map was working on 9-11 that's why you have me on today wearing my mm -hmm. remember the liberty shirt by the way oh nice but thank you i cover all manner of geopolitics and 
you really can't talk about September 11th without, without also mentioning the Iraq war because mm-hmm. they associated 9-11 to Iraq, even though they had nothing to do with September 11th. And so that bogus war, and everyone knows there were no WMDs now, but I don't think they really piece it together and they don't understand how it was intricately tied to September 11th. But uh, I, I can build those bridges for people. Please do. Please do. Now we say Iraq war. There's even one before that. So Bush senior had his own as well. Does it go back? Yeah. That I mean, far as well? the second one. Well, right. Yeah. I'm just seeing if it a connection is, even further. Well, it's the same people. Obviously the first one is before nine 11, but it's the, the same people that were not satisfied with the first Iraq war. They didn't think he finished the job because they didn't assassinate mm. Saddam. And so, yeah, with the same kind of, uh, ilk that wanted that war wanted the second war is they it wanted a lot sim- of wars actually afterward they wanted to keep on going into iran and everything else it just didn't work out too well uh the first or the second gulf wars is it simple or easy to say that there maybe was a lot of reasons for them to do it like we hear oil a lot of the time we hear money rebuilding the country a whole bunch but is it safe to say there's a bunch of reasons that led to this it wasn't oil that's okay. not well not not for america anyway it wasn't americans that got the oil israel ended up with three-fourths of its oil coming out of iraq but uh, that didn't benefit the united states they already had the oil for food program so that didn't matter to them and you can look at the import exports of iraqi oil and it doesn't really change after the war from before the war actually less oil came in 2004 than in 2002 Mm-hmm. pretty stupid to go to war for oil and end up with less oil than before. Well, you yeah, didn't was, say they're intelligent. <laughs> well, they didn't, they were not fighting for oil. They're fighting, if you look at each pre-war lie to Iraq, it's about WMDs and the people writing them are not oil companies or military industrial complex profiteers. The people writing about them are Israeli Zionists. They created an office within an office called the Office of Special Plans to cherry-pick and fabricate information in the Pentagon lying about Iraq, specifically about anthrax, VX gas, mobile weapons labs, chemical weapons under the palaces. You can trace this back to individuals. William Sapphire wrote about the chemical weapons in the New York Times, William Sapphire. Judith Miller's lying about aluminum tubes, which could be outfitted for missiles that they think could hit Israel. Uh, you have Douglas Fife and Richard Pearl and Paul Wolfowitz and Louis Leibowitz is a common thread among these people. They're all Israeli Zionists, and that is who's writing about this. They even started a think tank called Project for New American Century with a media outfit run by or is founded by Robert Kagan and William Crystal and Robert Kagan's wife, Victoria Newland. She's one of the architects for the Ukraine war. And they just spit out one lie after another about Iraq including associating them to 9-11 by saying that Iraqi officials passed anthrax to Muhammad Atta in Prague. That never happened. They lied. James Woolsey lied. His sources for that was Israeli security forces. So the Israelis lied to us and said that Iraq gave anthrax to Al-Qaeda. It was assumed in the very beginning that Al-Qaeda sent anthrax letters to U.S. senators. They didn't. It was domestic, and we know it was domestic because it's genetically traced back to labs in Fort Detrick. So that people will say all kinds of stuff about um, oil and 
petrodollar and whatever had nothing to do with that. Saddam Hussein was not about to get off the dollar. By the way, states get on and off the dollar all the time. Japan did it, India did it, nothing happened. It doesn't matter. It's just so it's a bit of a boogeyman. It's, 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 it's very frustrating because, yeah, they. The war for oil crowd, it fits a world narrative of like corporations, bro, and stuff. But you have to look at the details. And if you look at the specifics about who lied about Iraq, it's a bunch of Israelis. And they wrote this out in policy papers before they did it. They had the Oded Yanan plan on Iraq, which outlined how to create sectarian violence to foster it on purpose to get Kurds, Shia, and Sunni to kill each other. You had right. Israeli clean break papers that the road to Damascus leads through Baghdad. And they were leading into war in Syria. I mean, this is a grand plan from Israeli strategists. Then you have a bunch of Israelis that formed a secret group in the Pentagon that turned out a bunch of lies that were put in an Israeli think tank in an Israeli media outfit. Come on. And then Israel gets three-fourths of the oil from Iraq. Iraq was a threat to Israel, not the United States. Oil... Oil is like, it's like everyone thinks war is like, oh, they did it for this resource, for gold, for oil, for this, for that. Well, I think that's the easy it, way to explain it. It is for plebs, but it doesn't match the evidence. It's something plebs. that, yeah, hoi polloi, mm -hmm. beyond re retarded people, you know, Democrats. No. Gotcha. <laughs> no, some people. I mean, it's just. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's a nice word, I guess. <laughs> Nicer way to put it. I'm ending a stream right now. It's gonna be 12 hours trying to multitask here. Wow, well, thank you very able, much for doing it. I thought I'd be able to find the file real easy, but it's <laughs> there's too many 9/11 things on my computer, so I'm trying to mess with this. Sorry, guys, watch it on Rumble, but um, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, Maybe we'll get I, a secret video we weren't supposed to see pop up. Who knows? I should have I should have made it clearly named part three or something, but I don't know. Let's see. There's two point two. Dang it. This sucks. I thought it's all good. It. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. I just need to set that up and then I got like two hours like clear where I can go through things. No problem. I'll ask a couple of questions while we're doing that. One question was what's the significance of the bell? You hit a bell at one point there. You said a oh, name yeah, and this, you yeah, so it's like anytime you, since we're not on any of the things, anytime I talk about a Jewish neocon or something, I have this habit of hitting a bell because on people do clip things. If you stick anything on YouTube or any of the sort of woke media, you're not allowed to say the J word in any context at all. It doesn't matter if you're just being descriptive or whatever. And I think it does matter to point it out because if you if these all these guys were chinese you probably would assume gee maybe the state of china has something to do with this if you're all north korean you would think hey oh i found the file great maybe north cool. korea has something to do with this so when you have a bunch of jewish scientists it's not a giant leap to understand that gee maybe the state of israel has something to do with this because if it's not the state of Israel, then you just think, I don't know, Jews just genetically lie about shit for no reason. Like, obviously, it's Israel. It's not because of their DNA or something. It's because they, no, they have the a, an identity yeah, identity politic that identifies with the state of Israel. Real politic is dead. America doesn't do things for its national interests. It does things for select commercial interests. 
But there's also, for the Israelis, they have a national interest and commercial interests are almost inseparable because that entire state was created by organized crime and mafia anyway. Do you want to get into the creation of the Israeli state? Kind of give some people some history on that? Yeah, I you mean, think it's I relevant. Know, it's relevant. I mean, I have a film called NUMEC, which stands for the Nuclear Materials and Equipment Corporation, detailing how Israel stole highly enriched uranium from the United States. And in that, I have another film called The Parasite, How Terrorists Formed a Nation. You can see that the entire Israeli state was bored out of a bunch of criminals. Menachem Begin, who was a terrorist, Ben Gurion, who was a terrorist, Ergun, Stern Gang, the Haganah and Palmach that ends up becoming uh, in the Jewish agency. It's full of mobsters, Mickey Cohen, uh, Mo Dalitz, Hank Greenspun, known mafioso in the United States and Canada, end up becoming the primary donors to or even embodied the Israeli government. Six Israeli prime ministers came straight out of Haganah terrorist groups including their first one, Ben-Gurion. It's the, the anti-Zionist or just normal Jew never had a chance because the Brits and the Americans backed and financed the extremists and if not, at least looked the other way. Because one of the tricks these people did is they laundered money through Holocaust charities and it was just political suicide to prosecute a Holocaust charity Anybody, right after right. World War II. Yeah, because it was like, yeah. you better be right. Because it's, you know, it's just too much of an emotional scar and it had been used to denazify Germany and da 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 da. And so it was just this untouchable thing. And so criminal groups, if you find some untouchable thing, they're going to milk that all day. And they were running mm -hmm. guns, money, and everything through these different Holocaust charities. That's just one of the tricks they did. They would get, there's a map, you have to understand, right after World War II, there's this huge surplus of weapons that are no longer needed because you have right. half the world fighting each other. It ended. And then what do you do with all these small arms and stuff? Well, a lot of it ended up in Latin America and the Middle East. There's a couple places that hadn't been involved that want to buy the weapons. And the WAA is supposed to decommission these weapons, but See, at the same time, right after the war, U.S. Is, gets straight into Korea, the Korean War, and this giant Cold War between the Soviet Union mm -hmm. and, the, and the United States. You could say the United States and like Western Europe. Western Europe had been decimated. Germany is getting carved up into East and West Germany. Um, U.S. is trying to justify nuking civilian cities, which is not totally unnecessary. because they, they surrendered in the exact same terms they had offered earlier. So it's completely pointless but the soviets and the united states let's get that correct so so japan offered terms before they got new oh yeah japan japan they actually elected a new government in april for the sole purpose of surrendering to the united states they did not want a north and south japan the same way there was an east and west germany and they did not want to surrender to communists they're like well if we're gonna throw it in right, and that's from the north and russia they were coming down they had promised to come in three months after the surrender of Germany, which would have been in August, which is when the U.S. nukes them twice, August 6th and 7th. Hmm. And Nagasaki so, wasn't even a target. It was just the weather didn't let them hit what they thought. Anyway, that, that's a side thing. But there was no point because like, all they asked for is leave the emperor alone, which they did anyway. 
So the real reason well, there, there for was, nuking uh, was the flex on the Soviets right. to say, look, exactly, yeah, right. the Yalta conference, we knew what it was. But anyway, that's going on. And so both of them, they set up, they had also right after war, you had these massive intelligence agencies that never seen to that scale. I mean, Britain sort of had one in the First World War, but the OSS of the United States is a baby. It becomes the CIA. And one of their main purposes to exist after the war wasn't just counterintelligence and spying on getting information. It was tracking weapons proliferation. You had this huge surplus. It makes massive black markets. People are selling guns and not just guns, like like machine guns for airplanes, tanks, anything you could move was being moved. They take them apart, send all the parts, reassemble it, all that kind of stuff is going on. And the weapon above all weapons that they have to keep track of is the nuclear bomb and highly enriched uranium. And the Israelis stole all the above. And one of the things that was going on is we go down to Nicaragua, for example, Guatemala was another one, and they would use them as a third party. So maybe the uh, Export Control Act didn't apply down there because what they were doing is they were weaponizing the anti-communist. So because they're fighting, the Soviets are doing the opposite. They're financing communists. So instead of preventing weapons proliferation, it was more managed. So if they're on your team, then you just look the other way and let, let it right. go. Let them get right. it. And if they weren't on your team, then you would come down and say, hey, you can't send weapons here. Oh, you stupid commies, whatever. Well, the Israelis took advantage of this because uh, the anti-communists that would get all these weapons would then act as a third party that just as a middleman to send them to the Israelis for paying top dollar for it or bribery and blackmail. And the Somoza dynasty is one of these um, families, two of them in a row, that were principals and sent gun running to Israel. And so when Iran-Contra happens, that's again for Israel. The Contra is fighting the Santanistas. Why is the U.S. siding with the Contras? Because the Santanistas overthrew Somoza, and Somoza was an ally of Israel, and they wanted to uh, keep that relationship. That was one of the ways they were circumventing the weapons ban. Because Israel-Palestine is a hotbed. No one's supposed to be sending weapons, but the U.S. was through their mm -hmm. intermediaries. And KTM in China, like, like all these anti-communists everywhere end up, um, the mafia set itself up as a middleman, knowing that they wouldn't be prosecuted or that the top would never be prosecuted because the supply side was the anti-communists that the CIA was supporting. And so if you mm -hmm. knock out their ability to sell, then they lose money and they lose power. So the mob would always set up as second biggest fish never be the biggest if you're the second biggest then they can't come after you right because they have a target already and when i say the mob it's not it's it wasn't that a bunch of italians like you see on tv there was no, there enough. was a huge italian mob but when it came to gun running that was the that was the israeli mafia the jewish mafia some people call it i like calling it the israeli mafia i don't really like saying italian mafia either but because it was it was ethnic Italians, but mostly from Sicily, and mo most of them had been born in the U.S. and Canada, so they were Americans. They were Canadians, but what, whatever. They spoke Italian, so I, I guess there's that, but whatever. Well, they used their roots um, to tie them back to family ties so they can know who everybody was, maybe. 
Well, the thing is, that's another thing from World War II is the U.S. supported like Giovese and stuff. Some of the families that become the prominent five families in New York were were supported during the war because it was opposition to Mussolini. They're trying to get the next largest power to go against Mussolini and they needed, you know, the Sicilians, they needed their support. Well, after the war, these guys became governors and mayors of towns and had a lot of clout. And so you end up with the state sponsorship of their compatriots in the U.S. and Canada. And the same thing with Israel. The Jewish mafia gained, uh, well, Jewish mafia is the Israeli state, but now they had a tax base that they could um, milk and then use the money to finance their criminal operations overseas. They've been doing that tax, since. Tax the, base uh, and then the charities, the global charities there too. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, so much of that money that would, you know, sounds good. Oh, let's help the, the poor refugees from, mm-hmm. yeah, that didn't go to them. It went to the mob. Look, I, we've got a couple of comments here I want to bring to you. Uh, this is from Jeremy, actually, uh, Raging Dissident. Uh, Rebel Rand, five bucks. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, please consider donating to Ryan's fund to remaster Empire Unmasked, where much of his content is covered in detail. I may not be where I am today. I guess he's saying he appreciates that. And he also follows that up with, uh, there are a few people who can find you can find to listen to that are more, there are few people you can find to listen to that are more knowledgeable about this stuff than Dawson. When anybody asks me, I just refer them. So you got a supporter there in Jeremy McKenzie. So thank you there, Jeremy, for that five dollars and uh, letting. Well, us yeah, know he's that talking about the five-hour documentary I did. This poster right here, Empire and Mass, and we've raised uh, almost eighteen thousand. I think seventeen and change out of thirty to remaster it because I made that whole movie on Windows Movie Maker by myself and narrated oh, the congrats. whole thing. Yeah, I, I got all the. Uh, <laughs> I got all the FOIA requests and police documents and all that stuff. And, you know, I, at the time I didn't really, I'd made films before, but my films are mostly, you could almost like just listen to the audio and hear my information because I'm not, I wasn't a movie. I'm a researcher. I'm not a movie maker, but I'm like, no one's going to read this until there's a movie first because they're like, well, who's going to pick up a 600 page book and be like, what do I need this guy for? So, you know, Loose Change was out, which is like the worst 9-11 film ever for a long time. And then they figured out a way to, to go even dumber. But <laughs> uh, I thought I have to counter this propaganda, this BS. So I made a movie. Uh, I first, I made a movie called War by Deception. It was like three hours and 40 minutes. And that was on like pre-ADL YouTube. And so millions of people saw it. I Not like that pre-ADL YouTube. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> before yep. google bought it yep yeah the day now, they maybe, partnered i got i got banned off of youtube completely maybe they bought it just to get you off <laughs> maybe I, I think they well not just me but they bought it to control they like we can't let people like him him and people like him talk he'll they'll spill the beans spill the beans is an expression that uh that an fbi translator overheard mark grossman and richard pearl talking about the FBI's 9-11 suspects, they told them, we have to get these guys out of the country before they spill the beans. Mm. What? Why Why do you want to get FBI suspects, 9-11 suspects out of the country before they start talking? Don't you want them to talk? Don't that you want to know exactly who did 9-11? Bring them interrogate them. We well, Mark, Gross, Mark Grossman and Richard Pearl 
have a, <laughs> a different uh, different team. So, and, but that all shows they knew. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't know they did this. They knew. They were they were shielding them. So yeah, we can get in nine eleven itself. It's um, there's a lot well, of dumb well, stuff. Let me put something in, into your mind here. Jeremy McKenzie's got eleven hundred pages that may change Canadian history. I don't know. Maybe there's some research that could be done there. You maybe want to reach out to him. He's got something going, something brewing. Somebody with your mind might be a well, assistant. Yeah, man, I'll help him with anything. It's um, I'm pretty sure I'm the one that read killed him on nine eleven, and a lot of people. It's, sure. Um, well, he thinks highly that, of you, and, and, and he's working on something big right now. Good. Well, you know, he's paid the ultimate price. They put him in jail for no reason. And, and just, uh, it, I got, I'm mad about it still. That Everybody <laughs> they do this to. They jail people. Uh, you know, it's not as bad as maybe Julian Assange. And, you know, they've exiled people like Ed Snowden. And they, you know, we've, a lot of us have been debanked and, canceled on everything. I know Germany's been can blanket banned on just about everything. You know, if I wasn't in Asia, I would have been thrown in jail. I know it. Mm. You know, it's just because I, I, people are like, why well, did you go to Japan? I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> not the food. It's good, but it's not the food. Well, they're going after yeah, Owen sushi. That's, yeah. All right. You saw that. They, they, I didn't know that. I believe it, though. I mean, they, yeah, they yeah, they're trying to get after, 10 years uh, on him. They went after Melonhead. And he used to work for them. And uh, it's kind of like he pulled a Bill Cooper. That day he went off script. They, I think they murdered Bill Cooper. And he sat out said that summer, he said in July, in June or July, that they're going to blow up the World Trade Centers and blame it on Osama bin Laden. Yeah, we've had know, that was a radio it. host. He, was, uh, he used to be this Alex Jones kook type naval intelligence officer that would take real things that people were getting close to and just completely swerve it to go barking up the wrong tree by adding like UFOs and aliens or what just nonsense to get you just, you know, lost and discredited. And for a long time, that's what Alex Jones would do is he'd take something and then he'd be like, Larry Silverstein said, pull it. That's an industry term. And Luciferian, Illuminati, gay frog, whatever. And just, mm -hmm. just pour crazy all over it so that people are lost in the weeds and, you can't cut through the ether as stupid to get back to the kernel of truth that was buried under all the BS. But um, he went off script too and became a Trump pansy and they hate Trump. And so they hate Alex. And so all they had to do was pick something. They went after his denial of Sandy Hook. Yeah, it's a billion dollar denier. cost. I don't know if it should cost a billion dollars, but he definitely did lie about it. And his followers, he also told people, there was a tunnel under Comet Pizza and they were trafficking kids and all kinds of shit and earthquake machines and RFID chips in your money and just stupid stuff. But his followers went and set fire to uh, that establishment. And he, he had David Icke on too. And these people running around setting 5G towers on fire because they, yeah. they think it communicated with the graphene in your blood from the shot. And it doesn't. <laughs> it just means fifth generation, same as 4G. A little bit different wavelength. What I don't want to get in the weeds on that, but like these people, their role is to kookify conspiracies to make it like, ooh, the term conspiracy sounds like uh, an eye rolling, oh, geez, tenfold hat. You think Elvis is alive and the moon is made of cheese? Like that level of dumb. 
Huh? No. Elvis is <laughs> not alive? No. <laughs> he's, I worked, he's yeah, alive. He, his spirit, like he's alive, like the way like we remember him and all, but no, he's definitely yeah. all those drugs. <laughs> no, here in Canada, I used to work the uh, Collingwood Elvis Festival. So it's the North largest uh, festival for Elvis impersonators in North America. Every nice. year, there's a rumor that he's hiding in that crowd. Every year, somebody said, that, I, I assure you, I spoke to the real one. Um, it would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Like, if he was kicking around, that's where you're going to go. Collingwood, Ontario. It's a great time. The, the only guy, the only guy weird enough and with enough money to fake his death would have been Michael Jackson. I'm not saying maybe, he did, maybe he Tupac. Didn't, but, maybe Tupac. But, I don't know. Maybe Tupac. Well, they had his corpse, though. But yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah, that was see that was Interscope. That was um, that was Bloods were tied to Spooks too. That was Sumner Redstone that had him killed, and they're always like, "Oh, yo, him and Biggie and blah blah blah." It would no, 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 no. The the record like Kanye's right. That's all I'll say about record executives. <laughs> um, I don't I don't want to get into that because I don't. I, I knew that story and all, but I haven't talked about Tupac forever, and so I, I don't want to... Uh, Maybe we'll save that for a Rumble special. I don't want to get into that unless I, after I brush up on my notes, because I used to know all the names and stuff, but I don't anymore. What's but, the anniversary, you know. Chat, Do you know the anniversary? You know, they gave immunity to one of these bloods, and he just... He's like, I have immunity? <laughs> okay. And Blaine, he said, I did everything. <laughs> He took. He didn't do anything. He's like, "Oh, if I have a duty, I'm gonna take credit for anything." And the cops were just like, "Okay, okay," and they closed all these cases. Yeah, his LAPD was reselling confiscated drugs back on the street. It, it's corrupt as hell. But anyway, um, let's get back on target. But yeah, so uh, no pun, pun intended. There, let's get back on target. Oh man, too soon on the anniversary. Too soon. Too. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'm not trying to make light of it, but um, yeah, look, Tuesday, September 11th, 2021 was quite the day. I still remember where I was. I was filing some papers in a court uh, before the building got evacuated. Um, so I it's still remember Tuesday where again. I was. What's that? It's Tuesday now. Yeah, over here. Yeah. For you, yeah, for us. Yeah. Yeah, we're still on Monday. <laughs> but now, do you remember where you were that day? We can kind of maybe start there. Yeah, I was driving to college i was in my car heard it on the radio mm. and what was the first news like, heard? one of the one of the towers like, were hit at the time it was like man cow morning radio or something was on and i was flipping through after that and um yeah they weren't saying the world trade centers they kept saying the twin towers same thing but that's what mm -hmm. everyone used to say and I had heard William Pierce and some other people saying, stay out of tall buildings. They're going to blame it on Saddam. I'd heard this chatter prior to 9-11. It was interesting because I just had an argument, well, like a discussion, in my car with my girlfriend and my roommate. We were going to my house. I remember we were in, we were in Williamsburg. And they're like, why do you care about the Israel-Palestine conflict so much? Like, you know, clean up your own yard, whatever. And I said, it's going to be in our own yard soon. It, these things don't stay contained over there. So we're paying for it. We're paying for the settlements and everything. It's going to come back and hit us in the nuts. And I said, I, if, you know, if you're a New Yorker, better wear your hard hat, stay out of tall buildings. Now I was just quoting what I, I had heard from Pierce. And how, and how early before all came, did you start hearing this? 
no i didn't know it. i was just like the the first half like yeah look these things don't stay contained there's blowback although people think blowbacks unintended consequences i think they're indifferent to whether there's consequences because if it comes that benefits them too but mm. um backdraft you could call it or something i don't know but when it happened they're all like what did you know did you were in on it because <laughs> when the anthrax was sent i knew immediately that was israel when it said death to america death to israel and i ain't known that Israel had stolen anthrax in the 90s, just before the World Trade Center attack in 1993. The first one, right? And, the bomb in the basement. Yeah. Philip Zachariah had stolen anthrax for it. Illegally, he had gone in and entered the lab where he'd been fired from for him and his group of uh, um, Zionists were harassing an Egyptian co-worker named Ayat Assad. And he had a a cohort who still worked at the lab, her name was Miriam Ripley, and she let him back in. And there was 23 vials of gain-of-function anthrax missing. And it seemed like the plan back then was to knock the World Trade Center into the other one and follow it up with a biological attack of anthrax. But because the rider truck was in the wrong place and the towers didn't fall, they pulled an audible and they didn't mail the anthrax. But when... I saw the notes. I said, oh, this has to be them. And then when they started the line about Prague, James Woolsey, who was the former director of the CIA, he only had his position because of Epstein blackmail on Clinton, comes in and says, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, Iraq has sent this, gave this anthrax to Al-Qaeda. And uh, everybody knew Israel wanted war with Iraq. They've been writing about it since right. Uh, right after the first war. They've been right, especially 97, 98. They really put the pedal to the metal. They had Monica Lewinsky and all that, and it didn't go through. And they twist, They made Bush Sr. a one-term president because he wouldn't finish the job. And it's really funny because Bush is interviewing Dick Cheney because Dick Cheney, before he's vice president, used to be the DOD head. He had Rumsfeld position. And he very elegantly lays out how... You couldn't go in and remove Saddam, how it would become a quagmire, how it would create sectarian infighting between the different Islamic factions, that it would threaten the territorial integrity of Turkey and there'd be a Kurdistan, like everything that did happen after 2003, he said. So you knew that they knew, like some of them, some of these neocons like Doug Feith are just uh, like, Jean, what's her name? Karen Jean-Pierre level stupid. Like on a scale of one to her, how dumb are they? Right? Fight mm -hmm. is up there. But Cheney's not dumb. Kissinger's not dumb. Pearl's not dumb. There, there's there's evil and dumb. There's evil and not dumb. Right. Um, but there's there this is sort of the not stupid but evil. And then there's people who aren't evil, they're just stupid and they get fooled. So yeah. Yeah. Fife would have been dumb and evil. Cheney Back is up. not dumb and evil. Yeah. So there he's in the, the C group. They knew it would be a quagmire. He laid it all out. But, you know, here it comes. Does Cheney open his mouth and say we shouldn't invade again? No, because Kellogg, Brown, and Root, and Halliburton, and he's going to make a lot of handsome profits and probably can't compromise because he's on the D.C. Madame's list. Rumors of him roughing up and throwing women on the ground. Everything, just dude, sick. So that's, that's another tangent, what Epstein all was doing, but... James Woolsey uh, was put in there 
against Clinton's wishes. He hated him. He wouldn't even talk to him. He making handwritten reports. He didn't want him there. He couldn't stand him. But Clinton was very compromised. And Lewinsky's just the one that got caught, came out. That was like, oh, she's 20. You know, like, look, we can go worse, do what we say. And then now we know he's on all these flights to, on Epstein's planes. And Hillary's involved as well. Da, 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 da. But anyway, Woolsey comes out and says, Atta met in Prague, Muhammad Atta from Flight 11, with senior Iraqi officials. And, and guess what? Uh, uh, he got anthrax. Now, this had been written about in the Weekly Standard. They had a big picture of Osama bin Laden on July 31st of their issue. And Robert Kagan, Ding, and Gary Schmidt start to lie about anthrax. And then they didn't say, they didn't connect it all to Iraq yet because the anthrax hadn't been opened. But once it's opened, they go, oh, yeah. By the way, Assam bin Laden and Saddam are working together, and you know, uh, bin Laden's uh, hijackers got anthrax from Iraq, and that's why they sent it to Patrick Leahy, who has the amendment to forbid military aid to Israel, and gave fake anthrax to Judith Miller, who's a war hawk that blamed everything on Iraq from Oklahoma City to 9 11 World Trade Center attack in 93. She blames everything on Iraq. She was right. dating Louis Leibowitz who is Scooter Libby, who is Dick Cheney's lawyer. Um, And also he'd been a lawyer for Mark Rich. Mark Rich is one of these hardcore, he owned Glencore commodities, helped rape Africa, got a long list of problems, um, criminal activity, Interpol's most wanted list. And Bill Clinton gave him a pardon his last hour in office. Oh, wow. And Denise Rich is a crook too. Yeah, so... He, gives, he pardons the, the uh, Zionist oligarch who's using Dick Cheney's lawyer as his own personal lawyer, works for Mossad, all da-da-da-da-da. Anyway, Miller's dating him. She's writing all this trash in the New York Times about Iraq constantly. It was clearly a Zionist cabal. And then they even wrote in the notes, death to America, death to Israel. In, in Al-Qaeda, yeah. Yeah. So the domestic terrorists, why would they end up blaming this guy named Bruce Ivins, who after he died, they proved he physically could not have made this anthrax as gain of function. He didn't have the equipment or the ability or the skill set. He was suicided before his trial. And why would he put notes about Israel and stuff? How did he get the Israeli security to lie about a meeting in Prague and blame the whole thing on Iraq? He couldn't have done that. You know, at minimal, even if he did send the anthrax, Israel still lied and said Iraqis gave it to Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda didn't have anthrax, neither did Iraq. And Bruce Ivins didn't send the anthrax. Oh, the whole thing was done by the Israelis. They mailed anthrax. They said it came from Iraq. They said it came from Al-Qaeda. And then later, they blamed Stephen Hatfield, who's an enemy of Benai Brith. And when he won his giant lawsuit, they go, okay, oh, it came from the lab because you genetically traced it? And they tried to cover that up. They physically destroyed the Ames stream anthrax in Ames, Iowa, in the middle of an anthrax investigation that the feds go and wipe it out. A guy named Spike Bowman did that. And um, they're like, okay, it was Bruce Ivins. And then he had dies of a Tylenol overdose all by himself. Really? Uh-huh. You Tylenol yeah. overdose. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was a way of, it was such a big F you because it was a way of killing, it was a way of suicidating somebody and letting you know. It wasn't a suicide. It's just saying, 
yeah, let's make this as ridiculous as possible so you don't even ask about it ever again. It's a way of saying, yeah, yeah we'll kill you. That's what it means. <laughs> Correct. We do that. If you're paying attention, yeah. that's a message for sure. It's like Gary Webb shoots himself twice in the head. Different caliber? Two, yeah, I guess you could have two guns. He, he was murdered. And it was a way of saying, yeah, yeah, we did it. You know, that's same thing mm -hmm. with Epstein. But, oh, yes, uh, he's taken off suicide watch. His roommates moved out to a different cell. His door's unlocked. The cameras don't work. The guards are asleep. His second autopsy shows he's got broken bones in his neck. No one cares. It was a way of saying, yeah, so what? Yeah, we kill him. What are you going to do? You know, because mm -hmm. there are ways to to do it and make it look sure plausible. they could be super clean but, and make it hard and it's, yeah it's just my opinion that they make it ridiculous as a flex well, <laughs> it's it also just makes, like when they killed crazy yeah. too it makes half the people crazy talking with the list and he didn't like he didn't do it like it makes a lot of people crazy if they do if it came in and it looked like a heart attack and it looked totally natural there'd be a lot less people paying attention to oh it, he, sure did you just say he died of coincidence <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But it, no, it happens. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, sorry. yeah, yeah. Clearly, no. Epstein died of uh, of COVID. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, for sure. I said that too. I was like, Lincoln died of COVID. Uh, you know, our JFK was killed by the virus. Like, obviously, right? <laughs> Stupid. But yeah. they they lied about anthrax, and that alone, like, without even getting into the collapse of the buildings and all, like, 9/11 itself. The fact that a foreign state erroneously tied it to an innocent country and, and it did lead to a giant war, especially between like the US, the UK, and Poland, sent a lot of troops down there and it lost a lot of men and lost a lot of money, about $5 trillion when you add up the war and the occupation that the, just the United States spent, and about 6,000 soldiers killed in action. And probably 10 times as many from veteran suicides afterwards. Right. Right. And, and that's all and then, over the you world. Know, obviously, probably 800,000 to a million Iraqis murdered, mostly civilians. And when I say mostly, I mean 85% are up. They were just gunning people down in Fallujah. And this is the, also the birth of the Blackwaters and these giant mercenary things, triple canopy and stuff that are outfitting all this crap. Got in there and... They would get money for reconstruction contracts that never took place. And Joe Biden's family was involved in that. They're getting contracts yeah, to, to build houses, and then they didn't build any houses, and they still got the money. And they're like, oh, look, the vice president is Frank Biden. You know, I have a movie on that, too. They're sick. It's both parties. They all did it. It's not like there was no opposition. The opposition was individuals, Ron Paul. and the, There was a few congressman that said no what the hell are you doing Dennis Kucinich maybe but by and large both parties were all for it there was an anti-Bush movement there was not an anti-war movement because they elected Kerry who said even if he knew well then they nominated him for the primary right. they didn't win but like they even if he knew there wasn't WNDs he still would have supported the war in Iraq well and, he's busy now under um under Biden well he well, yeah, and he was the State Department under Obama when Obama was president the first two times, because now it's his third time, sort of, right? Because Biden doesn't mm -hmm. know where he is. Mm -hmm. And they invaded Libya and all that joyous stuff. Made slavery great again in North Africa. Sure, they're proud. First black-ish president, and he, 
he reconstituted slavery in Africa. Isn't that amazing? It's insane. It's insane. No one talks about Libya anymore. Like everyone's pissed about Bush's war in Iraq, but Obama got a pass on Libya and they turned that country upside down. That was a functional North African country. I know Gaddafi was Gaddafi, whatever, but like same with Saddam. I'm not, it's not like I'm pro Saddam because I didn't want to war in Iraq, but they held that. Is it there? It is not easy to govern those areas of all the different ethnic and tribal conflicts and stuff. And Gaddafi had, despite how he started, had a, a pretty prosperous country. And they handed it over to Al-Qaeda and murdered some of his kids. And just, <laughs> you look at Libya, and they flattened that place. And then it got so bad, people were being, like, selling themselves, selling their children. Same thing happened in Iraq between the two wars. We have to, we should talk about the sanctions that killed okay. over half a million. And, you know, the famous quote about, you know, half a million children have died. Is the price worth it? We think the price is worth it. Well, that interview was in 1997. There's six more years of that. And it, it gets worse each year. Mm-hmm. And there are policy papers bragging about blowing up the water treatment centers and how it would create coli and Ebola and all this crap uh, because people are drinking straight from the Euphrates rivers and stuff. They're so desperate. And they said, we'll say that, you know, the chlorine is something used in water filtration could double for mustard gas. So WMD and the, oh. the inspectors, because we did give him mustard gas. Well, as pesticides, sure. Rumpsfeld's there okay. shaking Saddam's hand. They used it against Iran. But wh- whatever. All of that had been gotten rid of. And then Scott Ritter and the inspectors went in there and they did not have WMDs. Not biological, not chemical, and definitely not nuclear. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. They're like, yeah. well, uh, maybe it's over here. Maybe it's over here. Let me check under your palace. And eventually Saddam's like, no, you're never going to. It's kind of like the Iran deal. You're always going to make new conditions. It's like Charlie Brown kicking the football. You're never going to do it. You, you're jerking us around. You're full of crap. As they were. They're looking for a pretext. They're like, oh, when you meet these conditions, and then they would meet those conditions. They're like, uh, now we're going to add these other conditions. Keep raising the bar every mm-hmm. time they meet it indefinitely. So they never get the sanctions lifted. And, you know, or unfreeze their money and so on. And he realized this. Well, I maybe this Saddam is... offered to debate George Bush. I thought, oh, that yeah, would be, that'd be great. Money, dude. That would be, oh, man, he would have slaughtered him. But even, even yeah. with an earpiece, Bush would not have been able to handle that. No. But, but maybe, maybe <laughs> no, what's going on? Well, here... We can't talk to him. We don't talk to bad people. We just murder a million people, mostly civilians. That's a better idea. Sure. So just like uh, Epstein being killed so blatant as a message as well, maybe these Mm -hmm. false allegations of weapons of mass destruction is also a message to other countries that will just simply say you have something come in or wipe you you out. So I mean, I don't know why they even lie. Like, why just invade them? There's not like there's nothing we can do about it. And they just say we're invading Iraq. You know what I mean? But they needed. It's all volunteer army. So they need they need Americans to think Saddam had something to do with 9-11 to justify it and to go over there and do it. 
And they did heavily rely on mercenaries and the occupation forces because a lot of people say, hey, where are all these weapons you said were here? And they were going to plant them. And Scott Ritter told me a story of like why they couldn't plant them because they knew that the inspection teams knew where each thing were from and how to trace them. And so if you just put some there, you get caught. Right. But that was the idea is just say that and then go. go. Uh, they did that before is Operation Washtub where they went and found their own weapons cache and then said, oh, look what the Soviets did. And uh, not washed up. That was Brazil. Car wash. Car wash is Brazil. Washed up. I have it right. Yeah. Operation washed up. And uh, people can look that up. It's probably still on wiki until they, until you know who erases it. But they knew it wasn't a communist because it was their own weapons. They went and found weapons they put there themselves and they were going to do a repeat of that. But this is, you know, internet age and harder to get away with. I think it didn't matter. Once, once a rock had been blown to pieces, they didn't care. What happened? They're like, whatever. None of them got prosecuted. Nothing happened. Everyone hates them. They're like, you can hate us all day. Chain didn't care if you hate them. Neocons don't care how much hate they get. They got their money. They destroyed Iraq. That's what they wanted. They're not out for public love. They don't give a damn. They want power. That's all. And they, and they, got, they got everything. Yeah, they got everything they wanted. Yeah, I don't think they messed up one, one stage of this, did they? Looks like they planned this out quite well and got it all. Well, I think... They underestimated the damage they did to the public trust because when they wanted a war in Syria, they they couldn't get boots on the ground because the war in Iraq had been so bad. And John Kerry even complains about it on a hot mic to the heads of the FSA and the ISIS, essentially. He's saying, we, we can't do it. All these Americans called into Congress saying, do not invade Syria. You cannot do this. We're not falling for the hill. We gas people crap again. So they used proxy forces. They had to arm insurgency groups and try to topple Syria from within. And Assad, that almost worked until the Russians came in and started bombing these caravans that were exporting oil to Turkey, which ultimately went to the Israelis. Um, because they're circumvent- they're, the whole reason for invading Libya was controlling the maritime silk road and this again they're like oh Gaddafi had the gold denier petrodollar that's a european fantasy like oh really the french invaded libya to help the dollar instead of the euro no like the u.s invaded from behind had nothing to do with that it's about maritime silk road egypt had just had a revolution they were allowing iranian ships and libyan ships to go through the suez canal which connected uh, cheap oil to China, and right. that's a no-no. And Europe lost twenty-two billion dollars in contracts at the very onset. Now they ended up having another revolution in Egypt with Mubarak's out and Morsi and then Sisi and da da da, and they got it back under control. But they didn't know whether they're going to be able to pull that off. They killed Gaddafi, and that said, and Gaddafi had gotten rid of his nuclear weapons program. You well, know, Korea must have been, nor, yeah. They must be watching that going, we're not getting rid of our nukes. Korea, yeah, for sure. Because um, look what happens. You get good off feed. Um, and, now I remember yeah, when... yeah. And actually, and John Bolton, when they went to Hanoi, that uh, meeting in Vietnam, he said, we're going to give you the Libya treatment. Oh. <laughs> You've, you wrecked that all chances of negotiating there. You know? 
unbelievable. No, it's incredible. It's a lot of gall there for sure. All right, so let's move through the tragedy and let's start talking about maybe some of the commission and some of the review and some of the lies that have been discovered over oh, the years. Oh, when you said the, the tragedy, I thought you were talking about Fort Sumter. All right, yeah, we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to have, bring you back on. I, I, I'm going to have to connect you to Jeremy. Have you met Jeremy personally? We'll do we'll do that one. No, um, I don't think he's allowed to leave uh, Kazakhstan, and I'm not going to Canada. I don't know if no. I'm allowed in. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> I don't know. See, it's pretty crazy. They have, uh, I get accused of, it's not true, but I get accused of denying a certain event in World War II, and that's illegal in Canada. So, I, you know, I'm not risking it. <laughs> yeah, there's, so, there's another event that became illegal to talk about or deny in Canada, and that's to do with, you know, Native children and, and the uh, schools. Um, yeah. We can't well, look, it. I don't I don't deny that event. That's just some shit they say. But sure, I, I, think you, I think you should be allowed to. Like, I don't think you should go to jail for questioning historical things, but I'm not one of those people, just to be clear. Sure. Thank you very much. You just saved us on meta there. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's go to the September 11th now. Uh, and then I want to kind of learn new details. So over the last 22 years, more and more information has come out. It's been pretty quiet for the last decade or so on this subject. There's been other things to talk about and have our attention now. Sexualization of children and COVID and other things now. So this issue has kind of, you know, quieted. Do you want me to... Just tell you the stuff I think you probably don't know. Please, I think, yeah, let's get all the new stuff. I think you and your audience all know, you know, the the physics arguments and all that stuff. So, Great. ten seven. seconds, free heard, fall, yeah. seven yeah, should yeah, not have so, fallen, kaboom, kaboom. So, yeah. Um. So I'll just go in. Let, let me say some of the stuff. I don't know if you know this or not. So I'll just go over what I think you might not know to save time. Sure. So one thing, huge story, what the anthrax already went over, no one ever talks about that, but there was a team of guys led by a man from Jerusalem, Khalid Abdallah, who did have illegal access to the World Trade Centers in the week prior to September 11th. They got serendipitously busted in Tennessee, where the DMVs, the Department of Motor Vehicles, where you get a driver's license. I say that because people who aren't from the U.S. don't know what that means. They don't know the acronym. So Department sure. of Motor Vehicles had an employee named Catherine Smith who was giving out fake IDs for all these truck drivers. You gotta, you know about the moving systems, I assume. So you need people, you need license. In Tennessee in 2000 and 2001, you didn't need a social security number to get an ID. So a lot of people, even that's because FedEx is based there and they use migrant workers, whatever. So there was a sting operation because they knew she'd been selling these things on the side. She had been given a car by Odala and they arrested six men in the parking lot when they went to get their fake IDs. This is just after 9-11. And they found out that one of them had driven an Aeros truck all the way from New York to Tennessee on 9-11. And through searching their person on their person in a wallet, Secure Hamad had a uh, business cards and a pass to do work in the basement levels of the World Trade Center, World Trade Center. dated September 5th. So just six days before 911. Now, 
the port authority is who decides whether there's going to be any work on the building's infrastructure. They, they claimed magic heating and plumbing and co-mechanical that they were working on the fire prevention systems. And yet the port authority did not hire these people to work on the fire prevention systems. They weren't working on the fire prevention systems. They were sabotaging the fire prevention systems. Now, you don't have to go floor by floor and plant C4 or any of these fantasies of people. All you have to do is... Let it burn. All you have, well, all you have to do is sabotage the relay pumps, and then the water will not reach the upper floors. Mm -hmm. And if the water doesn't reach the upper floors, then all you have to do is let it burn. Because, believe it or not, fire will take down a building. That's what happened to the Plasco building. That's what happened to half the building in Madrid. It's funny because the 9-11 kooks would be like, what about the Madrid building in Spain? It didn't collapse. And we're like, Actually, everything below, above the 22nd floor did collapse because they couldn't reach it with hoses. And everything below that didn't collapse because they could reach they could it with reach. the water. So it's like it's a cell phone. That's a steel building and everything above it totally collapsed because they couldn't um, – touch the fire from there. Plasco building in Iran fell is a bunch of examples. Like, yes, yeah, if you don't fight the fire, it's not just going to burn for infinity and it doesn't have to reach temperatures to quote unquote melt, melt. steel. Right. Yeah. At, at, at way below the melting point, when you're like 660 degrees, it it's, steel will lose 50% of its tensile strength and, and around a thousand degrees, which indoor fires reach it's 90% of its tensile strength. So it's going to drop its weight bearing load way before the melting point. Fire absolutely will make a uh, steel building collapse. And if you purposely sabotage the fire prevention systems, you are maximizing the damage that can be done by fire. And that's just the regular fire, not to mention taking out two of the external walls by hitting it with a plane and then add all the jet fuel, blah, blah, blah. And then it's up 90 floors with nothing but wind blowing through the hole. It's like a perfect situation for a fire. Now, in addition to that, there is evidence of truck bombs because the cops and fire department reported finding vans full of explosives uh, on 9-11. And uh, the fire chief died on 9-11, collapsed, the building mm -hmm. collapsed on him. But prior to that, they had found in the parking garage a van with explosive devices. And later... Uh, the police would find other vans with either traces of explosive residue or packed with explosives. So there was going to be another follow-up attack that they don't know. I think the original plan was to blow out the basement levels so that everyone would be trapped in the building. So that when it collapsed, you're looking at like 50,000 deaths instead of 3,000. But And it did damage the lobbies and the windows are broken. The panels had come off the walls. But... And the basement was decimated. It was burned and fireballs down there. Everybody's reporting secondary explosions. The whole subway's full of smoke. This is witness after witness after witness says this, but it didn't collapse. So most of the people did escape. It was the ones in the impact zone died instantly and the ones above it couldn't. There's only, only one stairwell was working. So if you picked the wrong one out of four, you died. Some of them went up to the roof. They died. So, you know, about a third of the building the people who could get out did and but still like 2,990 people died. Um, and then you have to add hundreds on the plane died. So around 3000, but it was going to be a lot, lot worse. And, uh, it's, it's sickening to think about it, but there were, there were truck bombs found 
and there was a particular van pulled over near the George Washington Bridge packed with explosives. This was reported live on television, CBS, ABC. And the next day, even, they asked the police commissioner and the mayor, Rudy Giuliani and Bernard Carrick, about it. And they didn't deny it. They said, yeah, those guys are in custody. Can't talk about it. But they, they didn't say, what, what, what truck full of explosives? They didn't say anything like that. They just said, yeah, they're in custody. It's being handled. They wouldn't talk about it. So somebody got busted and pulled over in a van full of bombs. Someone else, five individuals, got pulled over in a van with traces of explosives. That's the dancing Israelis. I think you do know about that. Or should I? Yeah, were they excited, yeah. or at least the video was? Well, they were um, out real fast. So three guys got caught celebrating the attacks at Doric Towers. They had highlighted maps of Doric Towers in the World Trade Center. The driver of the vans, Von Kersberg, had been spotted there on September 10th and September 7th. They pulled out of the police lineup. Uh, his brother and himself were on the already on the counterintelligence database as the people to watch. And then um, they picked up two more people um, from the white glove movers. So there were six different moving companies, all the Israeli fronts. They all closed on 9-11. And these guys had passports and thousands of dollars in cash. They're going to Australia, Germany, India, um, exotic locations around the world which is odd for somebody that moves furniture to take a vacation in a random tuesday on september uh, in australia or whatever like how do you have the money at your minimum wage job to just go do that and how do you know the business is going to close that day because you obviously you bought your plane tickets and stuff and we're ready to go before 9 11. you just knew they're going to shut down on 9 11 and that was your last day at work and you just had a map with highlights of the tower where you're going to view the World Trade Center from. And then you're there filming the first plane hitting, which we know from people think there's a witness, Maria Septonrelli, because she's in this movie. I think it's called Defamation or something. And she isn't the sole witness. She was the witness that called when her husband got home. She called the police and they put the bolo out and that's how they caught him. But there were men making a billboard and there were other um, tenants of Dork Tower and they all had seen them. And they screwed up in the, the FBI documents because they sent pictures to Langley to be analyzed of the van. And the timestamp is 831. Well, the World Trade Center is hit on 846. So somebody went and parked prior to the, the attack happening. They didn't hear about it and run over there. They were there right. waiting. And then there's some other like tertiary evidence of all the cigarette butts on the ground, which you can kind of think they were there about this much time waiting and while they're smoking and whatever. And, da, 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 da. and why would you celebrate a plane crash? And then all of them had different stories in their timeline. One of them said we'd arrived at 10, between 10 and 12. <laughs> so you, know, you didn't because <laughs> you're filmed there and only one tower has been hit. The other one hasn't been hit. So you're definitely there before 903 is what, 846 is the North Towers hit the north side, 903 South Tower gets hit the south side. And yeah, Yaren Schmel and uh, Omer Mamari and Sivan Kersberg and Paul Kersberg and uh, Odette Elmer are the five like dancing Israelis. Only three of them were dancing. The other two got picked up after. And yeah, they lied. They failed the polygraph tests. And then they said it's stupid stuff like they're there to document the event. Paul Kersberg gets busted in his interrogation saying that after this, like 71 days later, he, 
he admits the Jewish agency sent them from blank to do blank, and it's all redacted, but he had some story. They were monitoring the hijacker cells. And the Miami field office contacted the Newark office so that for those of you who don't live in the United States, that's Florida contacts New Jersey to say, yeah, one of these, uh, Alamari, one of the hijackers actually used classic international movers to go back and forth between Florida and New York or New Jersey. New York and New Jersey like cross the river from each other. So that's odd. Uh, a 9-11, not just suspect, but known hijacker <laughs> is getting a ride <laughs> from the Israeli front companies who celebrate the attacks. And, you know, again, back with the anthrax, when they mailed those letters, they mailed them from locations in Florida and New Jersey where Al-Qaeda was based. So how did you know where those guys were living? Unless, I don't know, you were living next door to them as they were. And so there were two different outfits. They had a group of fake art students that have been spying on the DEA and the ecstasy trade who are monitoring the hijackers in Florida. And then they had these moving companies, which seemed to be a way to follow people around because you have a van parked wherever, you know, and gives you access in and out of the towers should you be putting anything in there. Right. Like truck bombs. How many truck bombs do you think there was? I don't know, but they found three. So you only need one. Obviously, some of them blew up. So more than three. <laughs> and, oh, there was a call. Somebody said in broken English uh, that uh, he saw Palestinian bomb makers at the airport mixing a bomb. I don't know how you know they're Palestinian unless they're waving a pally flag or something. But um, that they were headed toward the Holland Tunnel. And but the police just shut down all the Holland Tunnel, the Lincoln and the uh, George Washington Bridge, Lincoln Tunnel. And, George, and that dragnet caught the dancing Israelis. Now, the Israelis didn't worry. They were trying to get back into New York. They had a big party on September 10th in Brooklyn. Really That's odd. That huge party on Monday. Yeah, no, I found no. the flyer. I talked to the DJ that was at the event. <laughs> like they had this giant party in Brooklyn because they knew it was coming in the morning. They knew. That's why Mamari was asleep in the van when they, they had partied all night. Um, they did not know that their license plate had been tagged at Doric and that anyone was even looking for them. And when they got pulled over, the first words out of Kersberg's mouth was, oh, we're not your problem. The Palestinians are the problem. Your problem are our problems. Unprovoked, just starts talking about Palestine because they knew the story was going to be blame the truck bomb on the Palestinians because that's the calls, the anonymous calls that were being made. And Charlie Rose and John McCain and people, they had this story like, oh yeah, Hamas, Hezbollah, and Al-Qaeda are all working together. Now, that is... <laughs> they hate each other. Um, mm -hmm. Hezbollah, uh, Shia and Sunni don't get along even now. They, they had nothing to do with attacking New York and neither did Hamas. It doesn't even have that kind of reach at all. If they could pull something off like that, they'd blow things up in Israel. But whatever, they were just implicating all of Israel's enemies. But when the cops pulled the dancing Israelis over and at least one of the vans didn't work or whatever, and the fire department cops had that in custody, they took it to the Meadowlands. They, they turned this like um, sports store into like a temporary bomb squad uh, 
what do you call it? They, you know, they roped it off and they just turned it in. They just tow these things out and worked on them there. And so again, they had to pull an audible and another one of the planes didn't arrive either. So they're like, uh, building seven just fell. And, Wait a minute. Um, so there was, there's meant to be another plane for seven. Well, there, well, we don't know, but there was a plane. I think they were going to hit the world trade center again. Cause they weren't sure it was going to fall. So they were going to double up on WCT one. Well, that was building certainly seven, made, it, made it clear that it was an attack then if they pulled that off on well, time. Yeah, well, it was. Well, I mean, that it, it went down in Pennsylvania, so they never made it back. But they were going back to New York. Okay, so the Pennsylvania one was supposed to come back north to hit New York, and not. Yeah, they always say, "Oh, it's going to hit the White House." I'm like, "Why is it going northeast and been going northeast? Were they going to go northeast and then go south? Like, no." And they even said, "We're going back to New York to the passengers because a lot of hijacked planes up until that point, where they would land and hold them hostage." They didn't run into buildings. So people are keeping cool. Like, oh, we got to land and negotiate, whatever. But through the air phones, they had gotten wind of what had been happening uh, in New York. And so they, there happened to be a judoka on the plane, too. And they took it down. And they were missing one and possibly two of the people who were supposed to be muscles. Zaid Aljara, who's supposed to be piloting the plane, doesn't seem to be on the plane because we got the black box and the transcript was played for the Masawi trial, the 20th hijacker. And nobody ever talks about Ziad Al-Jara and he doesn't say anything. In fact, okay. they're referring to the pilot as Al-Ghamdi. That's who actually piloted the plane. You would obviously the other hijackers knew who he was. And funny thing, other than the surveillance video, because he does go through security but then all the passengers say there's three hijackers instead of four. And then we find out from the hijackers in the cockpit recorded on the black box when they're saying up, up, down, down, shake the plane. And they're saying his name. It's not Ziad. And he, not, he doesn't even say Al-Akbar or anything. They're, either three of them were talking and the fourth one just stayed quiet the whole time. Or he wasn't on the plane. Now, here's the thing that I find super sus. Zaid Al-Jara... It is discovered right after 9-11, 2022, like January. He had two first cousins working in Israeli intelligence. Yusuf al-Jara and Ali al-Jara. And he had an uncle as a politician. What the... F you mean an al-Qaeda, alleged al-Qaeda pilot, who, by the way, they found us his passport with a little corner burned on it. So that proves. Yeah, as it happens in the big explosion with airplanes. Yeah. 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 And um, they found another one in New York too. But um, I think that was Al Shahi. People say it was Atta. It wasn't, but what, that's just because that's the hijacker they know. But Al Jara's cousins aren't just um, working for Israel. <laughs> They're working in Israeli intelligence. One of them had been a spy on Hezbollah since the 80s and they ransacked their house and found his computers and everything they were clearly israeli intelligence huh israeli intelligence agents have a relative who doesn't seem to be on the plane because the black box was discovered and the audio is there and he ain't on it the witnesses don't mention him they mention the other three and you would think well it's possible three of them were the muscle and he's in there flying the plane but we know he's not in there flying the plane. Al-Ghamdi was. 
So yeah, you can hear that. There's only three. Yeah. And you can hear them say his name. So mm. Ziad's not flying. Did he just get knocked out right away? Or did, no, because if that had happened, they would have all said there's four guys, two here and one in the cockpit. So, and they obviously they charged the cockpit. Um, he ducked out last moment. And that what I think is Israel had a mole in, Al, in all the Al Qaeda cells. And he's the one that it just happened to be his family got busted as spies in Lebanon. And that story, that story should have been huge. Wow, what a coincidence. A 9-11 hijacker and plotter and alleged pilot has family working for a foreign government who has agents celebrating the attack and following them around and giving them a ride from Florida to New Jersey. And da -da 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 -da. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we can't even get this one. Remember the Liberty. I mean, like, so that's, it's, I don't know. I like, I can keep going and going on 9-11 for hours, but um, I'm just trying to touch on the stuff that's underreported. Now there's plenty of other things. That well, there were things like been, some been Saudi done to happened. Well, yeah. yeah, there's the fast track program in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia that they complained about and they, they gave all these guys visas and they shouldn't have. There's the fact that uh, two of them, Nawif Al-Hazmi and Khalid Al-Midhar, were staying with a Saudi um, agent, a good agent, and that Omar Bayoumi and Osama Basnan had bought them a house, lived it with them, um, stayed across the street for them months in a row, helped them get a job, helped them go to flight school. It's like, what are you doing? Are you just meet these guys? In Culver City, LA, and take them down to San Diego to the Kurdish mosque. Random Muslims that are had been involved in the coal bombing and all that, and you just oh yeah, you just happen to get money from a Saudi prince, Prince Bandar, and his wife, Prince Haifa bin Fasil, uh, and you do it in a weird way where she gives it to the wife. Nawid Dalket of Bayoumi, who gives it to the wife of Osama Basnan, who gives it to the hijackers. Why don't you just give it to the hijackers? And why is the Saudi government sending you money secretly through people's wives and through these intermediaries so you can finance some random tourist in California and you know they're going to flight schools and they can barely speak English? It's, uh, or not at all come on and oh you're so nice you're just gonna buy an apartment and pay their lease and put your name on it so they have somewhere you yeah do. you just you just yeah just random muslim like i just feel sorry for you i'm gonna get you an apartment and by the way this money's coming from a prince in saudi arabia who's the head of their cia no big deal like come on <laughs> and this information got redacted like our own senate in the JIS, the Joint Inquiry, Senate investigation in September 11th, and Pentagon attack, uh, and Pentabomb and all this, go through it and knew that this had happened, and they covered it up. Because Bandar Bush, as he's nicknamed, Bandar, uh, Prince Bandar, Turk Ben Fasil, or whatever, um, <laughs> was so close to the Bush family. And they're like, well, that's embarrassing. This happens on Bush's watch, and your buddy is financing terrorists and that's just the ones that got caught right. we find out later through the uae and a 
a honey jarring company and some other things like the every single cell has ties to middle eastern governments and even when there's an iranian informant someone that an iranian who gathered intelligence on afghanistan had gotten wind of this plot oh and i have to add this the cia had followed these guys to a al-qaeda summit meeting in malaysia with ksm colleague sheikh mohammed where they stayed the night with them this is the uncle of Ramzi Youssef, who attacked the World Trade Center in 93, had the Jenka plot to use airplanes to attack, and they're going to flight schools, and we don't, whoa, we don't know what they're about to do. Uh, they knew and didn't tell the FBI. Well, the FBI got warned, too, because this Iranian informant who gathered intel on Afghanistan told the Washington field office that the details, that they're already in the U.S., they have cells, that they're going to hijack planes, they're going to hit these targets. And Mike Fagelli is the guy's name. Put a kibosh on that. Okay, so now I'm going to kind of get into that. So we're hearing a lot about Israel, uh, Israeli staff, uh, intelligence. How much of the U.S. government was uh, complicit in this? Did they allow it? They, were, they, were they just incompetent? Uh, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about... A, a little bit uh, of both, yeah. It's both. They are extremely incompetent, which makes it hard to know. Like, well, maybe they're just that dumb, you know. But... Mm. <laughs> No, Dick Cheney, for example, that's the vice president. Mm -hmm. So that's the second highest position. He's he a great hunting friend to have, by the way. Hey, the only cool thing he ever did was shoot his lawyer in the face with birdshot. Who didn't <laughs> want to shoot Dick Cheney's lawyer in the face with birdshot? Like, the one, I like, Even Dick Cheney. Like, the, only, yeah, the only cool thing Cheney ever did was shoot his lawyer. And the only cool thing Bush did, the only moment I was ever proud of George Bush is when he dodged that shoe. I was like, oh. This shoe is not bad. Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah, spidey yeah. sense going. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm actually proud of the president. He got, he, I was a pretty good duck, whatever. But um, that's it. He's piece of shit otherwise. But yeah, that was a moment. Well, of he life. gave us a oh. lot of good sound bites. He definitely made us entertained. That's when dude, he, Bush's he comedy routine about himself was amazing. He could do stand up easily, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm checking this. Okay, here. so Cheney. So we're talking about Cheney. Yeah, so Dick Cheney refused to shoot down Flight 77. And Flight 77 didn't hit the Pentagon on its first go. It was too high in the air at too high altitude, so it had to loop around. And it's this giant miles-long loop. It's not like some corkscrew Top Gun maneuver like they say. Mm -hmm. And he came in a second time at lower altitude and hit it. So, man, not only did they hit the Pentagon with a the plane, they did a circle around it first and then did it again. And still nobody shot it down because Dick Cheney refused to. And the transportation secretary, Norman Netta, as well as some lower officers who were in the POC bunker, had said and testified to Lee Hamilton of the 9-11 Commission, the same guy that <laughs> did the whitewash of the Tower Commission and ran Contra, and guess who his partner was? Dick Cheney. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. The head Democrat was Lee Hamilton. The head Republican was Dick Cheney. Now he's investigating Dick Cheney. And... Mineta, who passed away this year, said, yeah, that young man said the plane is, you know, 40 miles out, 30 miles out, yeah. and the order still stands. He whipped his neck around. He's like, of course, the order still stands. Now, Cheney claims he's talking about Flight 93, the one in Pennsylvania. No, you were yeah, not. Yeah, that was on, on out. No. No, that 30 miles from nothing. And Mineta said, they well, said, in, yeah, it was heading northeast. It's not 30 miles from anything. And Norman Mineta said to Lee Hamilton, I had the recording of it, you talk about Flight 77? Yes, the one that hit the Pentagon. 
clear as day. Mm-hmm. And I have the timelines testimony from Clark and Condoleezza Rice. And if you add it up, I've read their books. You go through. It's definitely Flight 77. Right, because it, it actually lines up to be that far out at that time. So everything lines it's up. It's that far out. It fits the time when they when it was there and when they didn't shoot it because it hits it did at the Pentagon. And there's this huge propaganda thing about what plane? It was a missile. Blah blah blah. Because that exonerates Cheney. That exonerates the U.S. government. And if you don't have, and they also act like there are no hijackers and no phone calls, and this is all Alex Jones, loose change, all this stuff. They're airplane deniers or 9-11 half-planers, and they went full tilt to deny a plane hitting the Pentagon because the plane that hit the Pentagon implicates the vice president in the highest levels and the Joint Chiefs of Staff because they didn't shoot it down. Didn't shoot it down, yeah. And it also, if you don't have hijackers, well, Nawif al-Hazmi disappears. Khalid al-Midhar disappears, and you no longer have a paper trail back to Saudi Arabia like I just explained. Oh, I'm seeing that. Okay. So yeah, it, when you get rid of this missile, right? Right. When you make a missile instead of a plane, you've now erased the phone calls, you've erased the hijackers, and you erased the refusal to shoot it down. Got so it. all the, in, in one blow, the paper trail back to the Saudi government and the U.S. government disappears. And you, you sound like a fucking idiot because... There's airplane debris in the building. There's DNA from all the passengers except for the baby at Walter Reed. It is clearly hit by a plane. The giant 90-foot hole in the first floor. And in all the movies, they show the second floor. And they're like, look, plane doesn't fit in an 18-foot hole. Like, I agree. It's also not an 18-foot hole. And sometimes they show the exit ring and act like that was the entrance. It's just full of crap. And that's on purpose. They didn't accidentally get a bunch of photographs to omit the giant hole in the first floor. This was propaganda on purpose. And then they have Rumsfeld slip up and say missile. He didn't slip up. That was part of the disinformation campaign. Because they screwed up royally because the idiot couldn't hit it on the first sweep and had to do a giant loop. And they're like, how do you explain? Why aren't you shooting this plane? They already hit buildings in New York. And this guy gets to have a second try. Yeah. It, it's in, you know, and the brass wasn't even on that side of the building. Rumsfeld couldn't be found. Right. He hit a renovated section, whatever. I don't put too much in that. People talk about, oh, it was a slush fund for da, 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 da. No, it wasn't. And they like the missing gold. And that's all crap. Anything, anything said by loose change is wrong. The only thing they got correct about 9 11 was the date. Yep. That's, I think yeah, Scott I, comment, I might have visualed yeah. that from him accidentally. I think he said it to me in an email or something. But um, they, they, they are the worst. And uh, so all this crap about missiles and pods, and then it got even dumber with justification, holograms, and you know they don't talk about the link to Iraq, which is concrete. They don't talk about the refusal to shoot down the plane. They don't talk about and, and, the. And this why there's no. There's no video why we didn't get anything from the Pentagon itself because they don't. Well, want they, you know, let me, let, let me get let me tackle that because that that one triggers a shit out of me. They're like, oh, the 85 cameras, blah, blah blah. That is from an affidavit about cameras that caught September 11th. Almost all of them in New York, by the way. The cameras in the Pentagon are mostly in the Pentagon, filming what's going on inside the Pentagon. Almost, the yeah. cameras that are outside the Pentagon, guess what they're pointed at? The doors where people go in and out. They don't have a camera pointed at a random wall. Just there where nothing ever happens. It's not an entrance. It's not a, it's just a wall. They don't have that. The only cameras that had it was the parking lot that sort of generally had, you know, 
a view of the whole Pentagon. They don't have random camera just sitting there looking at the wall behind the heliport for some reason. And the cameras they do have on the exits and entrances are not designed to catch a plane going 400 miles an hour across the parking lot. They're designed to film people walking back and forth to their cars or maybe driving a car. No one's driving a car four or 500 miles an hour. So you only get five frames. It's not like they're hiding the other frames. They don't have other frames. That shitty video is all they got. They did not confiscate the other cameras that got it. Those 85 cameras are from the footage of New York, mostly the second plane. They had the one from the fire department, accidentally caught the first plane hitting, and they found one other of the first plane, and the rest are all of the second plane. And the Pentagon stuff, they did not have a random camera pointed at a random wall that was, uh, you know, in super slow-mo, whatever, to catch a plane zipping by to hit it. But you did have 140-something witnesses. You had 395 and 495. All those witnesses in Virginia saw a plane go to the Pentagon. No one saw it fly away from the Pentagon. You have the plane still in the Pentagon. Pieces of the fuselage, engine, black box, all that there. And you have the passengers from Flight 77's bodies in the Pentagon. They did not evaporate or any of that. It did not. Uh, they're like, oh, yeah, a plane couldn't just disappear. I'm like, yeah, it didn't. It didn't. And you, have, you ever, <laughs> have you ever Googled Pentagon debris? It's all over the place. Like, there was this one guy said he didn't see a piece on the lawn. I'm like, yeah, because it's not a Tom and Jerry cartoon that leaves a cutout of a plane like that. It's going to go in the building. And then they say this crap like, there's no way that the soft nose cone of a Boeing 710 is just the Griffin argument smashed through six reinforced walls of steel, concrete, blah, 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 because they've looked at an aerial view of the Pentagon and they see these rings. Well, guess what, Sherlock? The bottom two floors don't have rings. It's just one wall and then the wall and the C ring. So it only had to go through two walls and it's not made of steel and all this. It's just brick. You can look at the hole and see the bricks right through. So it went through a bunch of sheetrock and wood and two brick walls. And then what punched out the C-ring wasn't the soft nose cone. It was the landing gear. Because guess what, dummy? They didn't put the wheels down. They had no intention of landing the plane. The wheels are still up. And they're made of steel, the cage around the wheels. And that went through the C-ring. That's it. Well, okay. And, and we know because there's broken fucking landing gear in front of the fucking hole. And I, God damn, these people pissed me off. Like, there's a tire... Twisted metal right in front of the C-ring. You would have to get the entire fire department, all the EMTs, all the cops, all the employees, all the witnesses, all the witnesses on the 395 and 495, the people that work at the Pentagon and the medical examiners to all lie at the same time, and then the press and so on. Or, and then you have to go around planting charred plane parts and fake the DNA and fake the phone calls. Or, or... You ram a plane into the building, and it matches all of the evidence. Oh, the right. reason so they no, lie no. about that, and it, it is a cult, because they're like, and the other one's building seven, and like, <laughs> yes, I was about to guys, their neck. You guys act, act like another building didn't fall on top of it. It's not a normal thing. But, you know, probably if you have truck bombs in World Trade Center 1 and 2, even though there is no evidence for it, it is reasonable speculation to say they had one in seven also. But there's no evidence. But it's like, well, the other two had them, and they all three fell. It wasn't hit by a plane. It did have a building fall on it. It did burn 
consecutively for this the Silverstein pullet thing is he's saying pulled out of the building. Because the full context of what he said is there's all, already so much loss of life already, referring to all the firemen that died in the collapse of the World Trade Center one and two, that they didn't want they didn't think it was worth it that they could lose any more firemen. So they decided to pull out and watch it burn. They said it made a decision to pull. And we and we did and we watched it burn. Jones clips it and says pull is an industry term for pull down the building with uh, controlled demolition. And there's not enough time to set that up. And blah, 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 blah. No, they pulled out of the building and watched it burn because so many firemen had died already. And guess what happens if you don't even attempt to put a fire out for seven and a half hours? It'll burn down the building. It's, it's like right. you're, you're over-exaggerating things. Now you can say, well, the way it fell was pretty symmetric. And da, da, da. It doesn't seem like, like the penthouse falls. Away. Yeah, it could have been a truck bomb or something. It's not that important. The Pentagon is way more important because it leads back to the U.S. and Saudi government. And which one do they focus on the least? Pentagon. The number one is New York. The ones they hate, they don't want to talk about the Israelis with the spies and his family in 93, and they don't want to talk about the Saudi financing or the vice president on 77. They want to talk about 11 and 175 at the World Trade Centers. And then even more than that, the one that wasn't hit by a plane at all, Building 7, because it doesn't have a paper trail to anything. And then these jackasses are like, well, let's examine the debris. Look at nanothermite. <laughs> like, why are you looking around for nanothermite, which is not even real, when you have a foreign intelligence agency celebrating the attacks caught in a van full of bombs? This isn't rocket surgery. Okay, so now that we've uh, flushed out both towers, uh, Pentagon and uh, World Trade Center 7, let's take talk a bit about the commission, the, the report. Oh, he also like, Larry Silverstein tried to get double insurance. Yeah, he didn't get oh, it. I don't care too much about that. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just curious like, how, why, how the report. Oh, why do, you, why do you get terrorism insurance? I'm like, I don't know, because the terrorists attacked the World Trade Center in 1993. Why would you not get terrorism insurance? I hate defending Silverstein. It's like when I have to defend Trump. I'm like, no. Like how all the crap you hate him for, you're wrong about, and all the stuff you ought to hate him for, you're not saying. But whatever. Well, I'm, I want to get to the investigation now because that commission report didn't contain all oh, of this right. information, did it? No, no. The 9/11 commission was like the Warren Commission. It's absolute crap. Right. So what do we get at now? Is if, if the U.S. was more just incompetent and not really involved, but a little bit incompetent with some ties, how does the commission report get so? trash like how is it so bad because, like, because it wasn't just incompetent like this was it was the point. okay they that's what i'm getting at now so how with, many fingers yeah. and strings got into there and how did those get into there to manipulate that report uh, all right let's so think about it who did they first try to pick to be the leader of the 9-11 commission report? henry kissinger yeah <laughs> the architect <laughs> and then they end up with thomas keen and Lee Hamilton, who I explained already did one whitewash for the Tower Commission for Rand Contra, which involved the Israelis. And so, why not? And Keane's out there promoting a comic book, and they suppressed information because some of the same people who shared information with the Senate in their investigation, uh, Philip Zelikow would not add their testimony or information to the 9-11 Commission investigation. And yet, what does Alex Jones do? He talks endlessly about the 9-11 commission as if it's the investigation in 9-11 and doesn't even tell his audience that there is a massive Senate report investigation 
that spent a lot more money and a lot more details and did allow, but then redacted the information that was in there and then unredacted it around 2015 or so. You get the unredacted consecutive 28 pages that I went to DC and lobbied to get revealed and it worked. And I said, all you sure. guys run out there yelling at buildings and doing your stupid theatrical protests outside with your bongos and crap. Why don't you put on a suit and tie just like APAC does and go in the building and talk to the representatives like a grown up would do and mm -hmm. just see if that'll work. Cause guess what it did. I flew there from Japan. I went and lobbied to get the 28 unredacted and met with Walter Jones and he went on a tirade about it. Uh, and it worked. Hmm. They unredacted it. And that's how we have a lot of the information about, the, the Saudi cell that I just explained. Now, that would get further cooperated by Private Manning and WikiLeaks and Operation Encore. Right. There's a redundance of information backing this up. And I had it in my film, Empire and Mass, before the 28th got released because I met with a DOD leaker, had breakfast in D.C., recorded it, stuck it on YouTube. Well, that got yanked. But uh, about Bush and stuff prior to it being released. Okay, you so know, it, it's something else, man. Dominic Souter is a 9 11 suspect here in urban moving system with the dancing Israelis. Justin Ramondo reports on that, and the FBI starts spying on antiwar.com. They're not worried about the criminals, they're worried about the, the media telling the people about the criminals, just like Hillary. Right. They don't care what she did, they care about the people who told on her. Now, is that kind of when they started to really infiltrate media and start controlling media? Because here in Canada, it's it's really bad. Now, they were doing some of that there because we really didn't get a lot of media holding anybody to account here, asking the questions that you're talking yeah. about and digging at no, all. There's like no Canada's, investigative reporting happening. Canada doesn't is not never had free press. And the U.S., from Operation Mockingbird on, they realized after Vietnam... They couldn't let him um, be free press. We, we have to control the media because the media was very much against that war. It was very unpopular. Mm -hmm. I think it was also unpopular because of the draft. And so that was something they realized we have to fix this. In fact, when George Bush Sr. invaded Iraq the first time, he said, we've kicked Vietnam syndrome. Because oh, wow. so CNN was created for the Gulf War, spat off government propaganda. That's how they started. They even did a report. And it worked. Out of and it worked too. Yeah, they they did a report claiming to be in Saudi Arabia and had alarms going off and stuff. They were in Florida. This footage of them after the set, like talking, haha, these rubes, these dupes, <laughs> unbelievable. But that's when, I mean, the marriage between the state and press starts with Lincoln. He closed down all these newspapers except the ones favorable to himself, and they never really covered after the Civil War because they had such a head start. And he had Reconstruction and so on that the, the papers that Lincoln had favored by that time had gained monopoly. And but, you know, with the advent of radio and television and, you know, free markets start making a comeback. That all went away with the death of JFK. Mm. They clamped down hard. And, you know, and that was sort of like they're, they're angry about Nam. And so they, they end up doing full capture of the networks. And we only end up with six uh, right. later, uh, two at the time. So 
but they're all just if you look at the board of directors for any of them it perfectly overlaps with a lot of greed martin boeing general dynamics all these all the same directors content. same people on serve on multiple boards a media company and a weapons company i have actually mapped this out on a on a physical map like I took the time to do that. Have you included BlackRock in there? Like, does BlackRock make an appearance in there? BlackRock and Vanguard are aren't on the the boards of directors. They hold the the largest minority shares of everything. Mm-hmm. But so the, when did they come onto the scene? Have they been around forever, or did they come around no, recently? That's a. They've not been around forever, but mm-hmm. there has always been something like that. Like you could go all the way back to the East India Tea Company or something. There's always been some megalithic corporation. Like I call BlackRock the modern East India Tea Company or the okay. modern Dutch tea. Because it's this is this corporate entity that is so big and so rich that it has total influence over this government. In fact, the tea the tea companies had more money than the state at one point, more than the crown. And so that that's a little bit, I mean, BlackRock and vanguard operate differently they manage other people's money but it's a bottleneck where a lot of the sunborn institute types have their money and you know they were in twitter they're in all the social media they're like you find you look at something and the top two are them and larry Hmm. fink is woke and that's where you get your esgs and it's a global it's a phenomenon as well so way beyond Lincoln, because they start controlling the press in other states. Out of that. All right, now let's ask the big question. Why did all this happen? To replace was it the Cold Patriot War? Act? Yeah. No, nah, that was a p- little piece of it. No, yeah, it was um, the Cold War ended, Soviet Union had fallen apart, collapsed, and you the war on terror. Man. Yeah, the war on terror replaces the Cold War to justify trillion dollar budgets and as we progress it became isis and then it became COVID. and what's next uh it looks like covid 2.0 but i don't think it's going to work um i mean actually covid ended because it became ukraine season well they got about a month of soldiers left and they're going to have to negotiate so oh you think so they're gonna they also need yeah they need the dia just admitted that I mean, they could get mercenaries. They could finesse it. They could drag it out through the winter. I hope not. I don't want any more people to die pointlessly. But well, are they going to fake a NATO ally attack to keep this going? They could do. It. They could do another nine eleven type thing, or blow up. Well, if they got a month, if you got a month left, let's, yeah. let's call it now. Let's call it now. Like in sixty days, there's going to be a big pivot. Suddenly, yes. Yeah, su- suddenly, the power plant goes kaboom, or. You know, they oh, like NATO land. boats. Yeah, a, a NATO boat sinks off Crimea or something. Whatever, another Gulf of Tonkin, another incident like that. He tried to do that in the Strait of Hormuz, um, if you remember, in 2006 or seven, And a whistleblower on the boat said, no, no one fired at us. <laughs> they tried. So, I don't know, um, because... Why do you want to go to war with Russia? You're gonna lose. You're almost out of ammo. <laughs> no, not you. I mean, well, yeah, you definitely lose in a war with Russia by yourself. But it's yeah, um, yeah, yeah. do they really <laughs> want that? 
because they thought the sanctions were going to work a lot better than they did. And they thought their military plan would work a lot better than they did. It's not working at all. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians are out of action. It's horrible. It was preventable. It was foreseeable. It didn't matter. Pep Escobar and I were talking about it in 2014. Like, this is going to be where I remember Justin Romano writing about it. 2018 or 19, he was saying, this is the next huge theater. It's going to be in Ukraine. It's going to be over the Donbass. Well, I think right, Crimea yeah. kind of let people start thinking that was going to come. And, of course, Ukraine kept... Mm -hmm. What I mean, is it really a surprise that Crimea went back to Russia after you walled up dozens of counter protesters in Odessa and burned them alive? Oh, Every wow. ethnic Russian was saying, Yeah, uh, I'm voting on the referendum to join the Russian Federation. Plus, they had okay, a base so there. So, I mean, it wasn't like they invaded, like killing people and stuff. They had a referendum. It's like over 90 something percent voted to join Russia. Obviously, it had been Russian from 1776 until 1954. The people there speak Russian, identify with Russia. Many of them had been born in Russia. Anybody mm -hmm. born before 1954, Russian, they were born in Russia. Khrushchev gives it to Ukraine in 54. That's where he was from. And, you know, and then 2014, it goes back to Russia. But you have to understand that Ukraine was 15 billion euros in debt. They have been bombing Donetsk and Luhansk. They have been killing ethnic Russians in the Donbass, about thirteen to 14,000 dead. And Crimea is like, uh-uh, we're, we're going in. We're, we don't need to side with you. You oligarchs do nothing for us. You rob us blind. It was an easy choice. And the Donbass, same thing. They were separatists. And Russia said no. And they said, well, we want to be an independent state. And finally, in 2022, they recognized them as independent states very briefly. And mm -hmm. we use like less than half a year. They just go ahead and get absorbed into the Russian Federation along with the Zaporozhye Front. So, hey, uh, and they've been recognized by Syria and I think North Korea, <laughs> like two other countries. But, you know, the reason people don't recognize a state or not has not to do with the merit. It's just U.S. pressure. That's it. But now, did this carry over with attack civilians with an army and expect them to stay part of your country? No. Nope. Ukraine attacked the Donbass for eight years in a row and broke the Minsk Accord, refused the first one, broke the second one, Minsk two from Belarus. They took heavy artillery in February and fired it into an elementary school, and their prime minister. They have a prime minister and a president gets on TV and said, our children will be going to school. Their children will be cowering in the basements in fear. Oh, wow. And then they fire on an elementary school. And the Donbass starts trying to fire back and pleading for Russia for help. And, you know, they, they've cooked up this NATO force, NATO train. They're moving in. Ukraine was going to invade. And Russia said, Padal, padal. We're ready for your sanctions. They'd made a, a basket of currency. They'd short up their allies with the Chinese. And they, they're like, the only way we lose this is economically. And Putin had been preparing for that probably since 08, since Georgia and, all, and the Chechen wars and so on, even further back. So when the sanctions didn't work, 
that made the military campaign fail because Russia doesn't have to charge into a porcupine and get pirate victories going in fighting, you know, well-trenched, bunkered, defendable positions. Instead, since the clock's on their side, they can sit back and just make it rain artillery all day and just do this slow meat grinder approach instead of the blitzkrieg approach. Blitzkrieg's because um, National Socialists did not have the clock on their side. They're running out of fuel and they needed to gain territory and get it quick. Russia has all the resources. The economy's fine. They have them outranged. So they can just sit there. It's uh, not a fast way to do it, but it's how you kill them and they don't kill you. Sit back and make it rain. And it's forced the Ukrainians to charge into the Russian defense lines right into minefields, and they are just getting punked, um, starched. They can't get, they can't even reach the first proper defense line. They haven't found an answer to this combination of landmines and artillery fire. The, the electronic warfare is knocking out the drones. They've blown mm -hmm. up their fixed-wing aircraft and airfields. They're running out of 155-millimeter artillery and anti-air defense. So Russia rules the sky, and the, the the queen of the chessboard has been artillery in this war. It's not tanks. It's artillery. So it's sad. Ukraine is going to lose got a month left. about a they're going to yeah about a month worth of soldiers left. I, I mean, they could start uh, pressing their refugees to return, force them into service, and really drag this out to the spring or whatever, but they're going to lose this war. Mm -hmm. it sucks. No, it's meant I mean, to. They, now, what's the outcome once they lose it? They're going to lose all that you territory. That's and the that's the design? All of Ukraine? Not even half of it? Just well, all of it? no, they're, they're going to lose, they're going to lose the Donbass, and they're going to lose part of Kyrgyzstan and Zaporozhye. Right, maybe everything up to the Dnieper River. Who knows? That's what it looks it's, like. It's, like if you look up, at it, physically. yeah, it looks like it. It looks like um, that's Putin's choice because they're not going to have anything. They're no leverage to negotiate. Right, and that's the way it looked at from the beginning. Like I, I I'm not going to say I, I'm a negotiator, but when you looked at the map and you looked what Russia was really concerned about, it was on the east side of Ukraine. And yeah, where the ethnic Russians were getting attacked. Right. And then you just look at geographically and historically. Oops, lost him for a second there. When you look at uh -oh. it geographically, the, the, the um, river made a natural border. Like that might have been a good place to make it. And Kiev is, is still on the west side of that. So they wouldn't have had the capital. Yeah, they're going to lose Kharkiv, though. And that's their second biggest city. I don't think Russia wants Western Ukraine because everyone there hates them. And they would just have like a 50-year insurgency and a headache. And it's not, it's not governable. But they're going to get the Donbass where the people wanted to join Russia, voted to join Russia. Mm -hmm. All that territory is Russian now. And they'll have a buffer zone to go all the way to the river, and that'll be the natural right. border. And they'll yeah. do a little mirrored situation like the U.S. and Cuba and say, don't even fucking flinch or you're getting the hammer again. It gets the hose again. And Ukraine is going to be turned into a, a almost a nothing state. They need to hold on to Odessa because if they lose their major port city, they're going to end up a landlocked nation in Europe. And that doesn't work. No. You need friends if you do that, and they're not very friendly. Now, what about the political system in Ukraine? There's some Nazi roots there. Are they going to survive? Are they going to get cleaned out? What's going to happen there? Yeah, they're Nazis. They have all the Nazi symbols. There's much hardcore anti-Russian, more than anti-Jew. This one's full-on. They, 
saran wrapping people to telephone poles and stripping them and taping them and beating them and paint their faces green and calling them orcs and it's an anti-russian campaign you have your stefan vondera types and all but it's not just as often right sector and all of that like ukrainians hate russians they've been raised mm-hmm. that way in school they they have legitimate grievances with holdemore and the soviet occupation and all but the thing is so do the Russians. I mean, they, they suffered under communism just as much as Ukraine. They also died from Stalin's policies and starved and all the same things. It wasn't a product of their DNA. It's not like, oh, they're Russian. So that's what Russians do. It was a government right. that did that. But a lot of people don't, you know, they're collectivists and they think, oh, what the Russians did. <laughs> well, that happened to the Russians too. So they hate them. And they're very jealous too because most of the outside of Kiev, most of the infrastructure and wealth was in the East. And so they really don't like those ethnic Russians over there anyway. But, you know, that was it was hard because with the fall of the Soviet Union also hurt, just like ending slavery mm. uh, wasn't easy. Abolition hurt because you had all these unskilled people that just ended up sharecropping and starving. It was hard. You had the fall of the Soviet Union, but now what? You have hyperinflation. People are turning to prostitution, selling themselves. It was a big you know, brain drain, people leaving the country because there's a total economic collapse. So, you know, the fall of communism sucks, but that it wasn't a smooth transition. Like, oh, we're just on our honor going to have venture capitalists come in here and fix everything. No, they ended up with a bunch of oligarchs. <laughs> someone else. I love that, pal. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's, if you look at the oligarchs, it's it sounds like the, the carol of the bells. Which I believe is a song from Ukraine. The Christmas. It all comes back to that. I don't know yeah. that song. Carol, the song. Ding, 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 ding. That's what it sounds oh, like. Oh, right. <laughs> Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. But oh, wow. I, I, audience can check that. I think that's a Ukrainian song originally. All right. Fact check it, audience. Go ahead, chat. Fact, fact check that. Well, yeah, Ryan, we wrong. actually, that went by quick. So we're already at the two hour mark. Um, yeah, I got to do a Twitter space. Um, so I got to bounce. That was great. No problem. Good interview. Solid. Send I, me I was going to let you know. Yeah, thank you very much, Ryan. It was a great time. And we'll talk to you thank later. You. And if you want to be connected to Jeremy, just hit me in a DM. And, and I'll, Oh, yeah. I'll I have his Skype. Um, But, yeah. He's awesome. No he was in the chat today. Yeah, he's a fan. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- and I think a, if you guys can work together on something, he's got something juicy. He gets, you know, a, he gets a ginger pass. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. He gets one. Thank you very much, Ryan. You have a good stuff. Great day. Enjoy that spaces. So, anybody that's listening right now, right now they yeah, can find we're gonna we're gonna talk. Fit, Adam Fitzgerald, myself, unfortunately, um, thermal detonator couldn't join, but we're gonna be getting in the nitty gritty and pissing off the kooks. So, come over for some more. See you. There you go, everybody. Yeah, go ahead, go to X, go find that space, and enjoy it. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. You have yourself a great day. And thanks for getting up early. Dagalon. Dagalon. Take care, brother. We'll end that intellectual conversation with the cocaine sniffing goat. Peace. Yeah, you'll you'll like Philip. He's pretty cool. And there's a Phyllis now. Oh, he's good.